0: This is Lekka. I'm Lucy Dearlove. And right now, you're on a boat on the Thames. On a mooring that overlooks Tower Bridge. It's a Sunday evening and the sun is setting. This is Jo.
1: For some reason when the gas does go it only goes it goes it tends to go on a friday now when the gas goes you have to order uh, a replacement canister so they, they are quite quick which is the next day delivery but uh meaning that if it goes on a friday you get it on a tuesday and they weigh what the i can't remember the exact weight of them but they're, they're, they're quite hefty 15 kilos or something like that 15 20 kilo gas canisters uh and you have to carry them all along the mooring, so along three floating barges and over two rickety bridges to the street for the empties and then you have to carry the, the heavy, fully you know, fully laden gas canisters back. So there's you know, there's literally no point in thinking, oh what we're we gonna do you're just like, Well that's that that's dinner ruined <laughs> I'm gonna get a takeaway <laughs> It makes you become quite frugal about your your gas consumption when you've physically you had to carry it yourself and uh, attach it to your to your, you know your living quarters basically um, it's not just piped in by by a gas company Sunday roast is something that I only really got into as an adult really um, I don't think it's not something my family particularly did I don't, know, I don't know no particular reason why it's just not a I guess we weren't a sort of Sunday roast kind of not that traditional kind of family first roast I cooked um, probably not that long ago really Um, maybe about four or five years ago because I was actually I was vegetarian for years I stopped eating meat um, when I was around 27 28 and stopped for like I think a good eight years it was 2013 I'd been trekking in Peru walked 100 miles around a mountain range um, in about 10 11 days there was a lot of up and down going on involved in that as well Uh, it was like a quite high altitude trek Um, and I'd eaten, I'd survived on on couscous peanut butter and um, sort of tomato paste that sort of thing and yeah and being in a physical state of you know completely out of out of everything when i got back to civilization and, and for the first time in eight years i started to crave meat and all i could think about eating was um was beef i had a real craving for beef uh, um, so i went and i just went and ate a, a burger and, and then i ate a burger every day for a week <laughs> and that was it i was done uh, <laughs> and within like a month i was eating mixed grills and all sorts i didn't even think about it i just i, I, I can't I'm not going to go back now. A lot of people have their own idea of what a roast is. I don't think there is... Uh, is don't know if there is any real, genuine, traditional things that have to be in a roast. For me, it's... Uh, meat-wise, it'll be... I, I usually do a chicken just because it's cheaper and it's easier. Um, but if I was having say five plus people around I'd probably do a pork shoulder but that's a nice thing to do anyway in the winter I mean a, a roast is a nice thing to do especially this time of year don't really do that much in the summer uh but when seasons are changing suddenly think mm, right time to do a sunday roast and it's kind of that comforting thing of of it's getting colder the nights start drawing in and especially in the depths of winter if you've got the oven on all day you know it heats up the whole house all that kind of thing and it, it just makes the whole place comfy and the smells the food like the rosemary smell of rosemary roasting in a, in an oven um, is just it's something that just makes you feel happy you know it makes you feel almost glad that it is winter when it when it comes around <laughs> it's such a lovely thing I'm just going to salt and uh, pepper that as well actually. it has to have roast potatoes um or the I've started to add more. I'm not doing that today, but I um, have more things to a roasted potato dish uh, tray, such as um, uh, beetroot's good to stick in there. Um, a Bit of sweet potato maybe. Try and keep it a bit healthier. Um, but then, a parsnips, carrots, they're they're the essential. And then a, you've got to have a bit of green. You've got to have a bit of broccoli or something as well. I usually go for broccoli because it's. I like it <laughs> it's easy I'm not a cabbage fan it's too bitter for me um, but they're the kind of I think they're the essential sort of components of a roast um, and I had lots of herbs lots of garlic We've got some dry um, sage going in there and the rosemary that we've got is I think property of the Queen yes. <laughs> it was foraged from Tower Hill <laughs> If you walk around the Tower of London, there's just bushes and bushes of sage and, uh, and rosemary and stuff, oh my God. and, and uh, Leo, my, my boatmate, was uh, coming home from a, a wine tasting, a little bit drunk, and he went, I'm going to have some of that, <laughs> so he just grabbed a couple of bunches of rosemary and a bit of thyme, a bit of sage, brought them back to dry them out. <laughs> so I said, so have you grown that? Because he grows a lot of stuff on the roof. Um, he was into his permaculture sort of way of doing stuff, and he went no, no. He said the the lemon, the verbena's from the roof, but they're they're the queens.
0: <laughs> Casual.
1: Yeah. Well, this one of the benefits of living this close to central London is that you can you can peel for the queen's rosemary on your on your way home. And you walk past the tower. <laughs> um, yeah. So pressure cooking the chicken is just. A brilliant way of doing it, not even not just because of the um the fuel economy economy that you you're doing. And like I say, if you've got to carry the gas. And I have had um, the gas run out on me while I've been cooking a chicken as well, which was <laughs> horrendous. Um but it keeps it so moist, and I don't really I don't really trust that oven that much. The temperature is a little bit Hard to gauge, so I've often overcooked things, especially when I've done a chicken. Um, but doing it with the pressure cooker, it makes it, um, it keeps all the moisture in, so you just don't get a dry chicken. It's really easy to not overcook it. i found a, a, a really a good gauge online, which is six minutes uh, a pound, I think. Six minutes a pound yeah, because it was an American website. Um, so if you, I was gonna do that chicken for like 22 minutes in the pressure cooker and then whack it in the oven for 15 and crisp it off. Absolutely perfect. Um, Even though it's technically not, it's kind of cheating when it comes to a Sunday roast. Um, But It's perfect. And then you get your nice bit of stock in the bottom that you can use for gravy. Uh, And again, once you've got all your bits off, stick the carcass straight back in the the pressure cooker with what you've already got left in there. Make a stock with it in like 40 minutes or something. I'm going to put the potatoes in now, though. So roast potatoes have been nicely uh, parboiled and give them a good shake around for a nice bit of crispiness. Fluff them up. Even when I was a vegetarian, living in houses with, with people, there would always be a roast chef. The particular influence on me was my mate Jim, um, who... I lived with him in Leicester um, back in 2010, and he would, he was like a, a belligerent kind of meat eater. So he'd start getting jittery if there was if there was no meat on his plate, sort of thing. And uh, <laughs> he would cook. Um, he'd take over the kitchen every Sunday, <coughs> bumbling around in the kitchen with his um, with his pajamas on or his dressing gown or something in his slippers. Um, and he had like his little fella, big beard, long hair and it sort of looked like a mini hairy jesus staggering around the kitchen all day um <clears throat> roasting stuff and he would give me like uh he'd give me like a 10 minute warning um so he'd come knock on the door and go joseph 10 minutes come and get your not sausages on you know so i'd come out and I'd put these get my corn sausages out of the freezer and he would sit there he'd sort of put his ear to the pan as i would clunk these sausages onto the pan and uh he just mocked me for, for it, basically, but um he kind of he, he looked after me and he made sure that there was always enough stuff for me to eat around around the meat. He always mixed, there was plenty of good nice veg and stuff, um, and he'd make me a um, a veggie gravy and that kind of thing, just so we could all eat together, and it was a nice kind of it was always a nice, regular Sunday coming together. Come on even the light is not working now, oh, without losing all the hairs on my hands as well. Excellent. We are cooking on gas. Um, yeah, Jim was a good roast cook and he was kind of renowned for it. Um, no, it was, that was, it was like his thing. He also, you know, cooked some dreadful roasts and you know, got drunk and messed them up and that kind of thing but um, he was kind of, was definitely his thing was roasting meat, cooking meat, that kind of thing and there was only one time one time that I did, he did cook me some meat it was um, a few years ago and I went round one day uh, one Saturday afternoon and just He went off and he cooked some chicken with chorizo um, that he he did, roasted his, he sort of baked in the oven more than anything. Um, I remember he was kind of, he was really into the chorizo, like the oil that you got off the chorizo and uh, he was kind of saying he wanted to just buy it by, wished he could buy the chorizo oil, like bottled sort of thing. Um, And yeah, he, um, That day I kind of, we hung out all day and he cooked me a chicken, a bit of chicken chorizo thing. We just had it with some bread and then on the way out he sort of gave me a hug and said like, right, you've got to come around for a roast next time because he'd he'd never cooked me a a meat roast basically. Um, I didn't see him for months and then we'd kind of been in touch and I was going to go around for a roast one Sunday and I couldn't get hold of him that day. Um, and then I got a phone call and he'd, he had a heart attack that morning and he died in hospital about four days later. But he was sort of never getting consciousness sort of thing. So never actually got to have that roast with him. Um, what I found in the sort of months after he died, I found myself really starting to get quite into cooking roasts a lot more. Um, and particularly sort of inviting people around. And whenever I... Um, would go all over the place. Now. Uh, whenever I'd go up to my mum's house up in Sheffield and use her kitchen, I'd sort of try and get us, get the family round and you know, cook a big, start getting into roasting roasting meats properly and like roasting like a, a seven-hour sort of pork shoulder and that sort of thing. And yeah, I, for the first time in my life, really sort of got into doing it as regular, quite regularly, almost every weekend and, and that sort of thing. Must maybe about must have been about six months after Jim died. I um I found a a roll of film. Um, i was quite into photography, and I'd had this um, old film Canon film camera that my brother had given me for Christmas, and that I'd repaired the the light seals on, and uh, taken a roll of film out and gone around London and shot off a test roll. And then just as you do with the roll of film, slung it in a drawer and, and forgot all about it, didn't didn't even bother sort of developing it until ages later when I m when I moved house and it just sort of popped up. So um I I got the I took it to um photography shop, um, got it developed and I got it um actually got it on a on a C D uh with a contact sheet and I was looking through the contact sheet, sort of little thumbnail images. And it was all kind of pictures of uh, uh, pictures around London, around the Thames, um, some shots of, um, you know, um, the Shard and this, that and the other. Just fairly standard stuff. St. Paul's and Millennium Bridge and that. Um, But the very last shot on the the contact sheet was really dark. I couldn't quite make out what it was. And I, I had to get it up. Onto the computer to actually see it, and when I loaded it up, I, re- I realised what it was straight away. It was it was a plate of food. It was a, it was a finished plate of food um, with some like um, chicken bones on it, and I realised that it was that it was that meal that Jim had cooked me, like the last meal that I'd had with him. Um, it was the re- the leftover plate from from that, and you could just make him out in the background, like the bottom half of him. He's kind of, he's like, you he could make out his, his flannel shirt and his, and his he had tiny hands. You could see one of his tiny hands in the in the photo. <laughs> he's always slipping out of his hands. <laughs> he was doing the dishes and it was like, it really, it it kind of really knocked me for six seeing that. Um, it was the one and only meat dish that Jim had ever cooked to me. And it was like the last meal that I'd ever had with him, the last time I'd ever even spoken to him. It suddenly had all this significance. Um, and then I realized that, like that I'd been kind of cooking all this cooking that I'd done since he'd died, all these roasts I'd been cooking were were basically kind of honoring him, really. Um, and without even thinking about it, I'd been kind of honoring him in the kitchen, because um, that's what he loved to do. It's not just about cooking. It's about like cooking for people, and 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 cook. That's the great thing about cooking a roast, cooking a Sunday roast with your family or with your friends. Is you know, it's not about getting it right or getting the getting the roast right or what people think of as, as being a roast. Um, that's gone to pressure, um, but it's about um, you know, it's about cooking something nice for, for for people, for people that you love, and for. For, for spending that time with them, and I think the reason why a roast is particularly like that as well is like I was saying before, the sort of the comforting factor of it and like the warming up of the house in the winter and the whole kind of process about it, you know, is um, it's a loving sort of thing that you do. Um, and it's a homely thing as well, and it's it definitely feels more about uh, you know if I was if you were to ask me what what meal I'm most associated with uh, with with family and when I say family I mean close friends as well it's it's a roast and it's and it's a roast every time it's it's that such a, a sort of coming together kind of thing um and I've definitely, that's definitely you know something that I've, a legacy that I've got I've got from Jim really and and every time I do every time I cook now not just when I cook a roast but literally every time I'm in the kitchen cooking I think about Jim he he always comes into my mind um, and I'm I'm glad that I've got that that he's left me that sort of thing even though he never cooked me a roast (laughs) and the the dirty day that he was meant to do it he went and died on me Um, but he's left me with that sort of thing Um, and I'm you know yeah it's a great thing if you do lose someone if you can do something they love doing, or, you know, often, and do that, you know, and then they're, they're still kind of with you in one way.
0: Thanks so much to Joe for telling this story so beautifully. I have to give a nod to the great storytelling night and podcast Spark London. I first heard Joe talking about this at a night they did at the Ivy House in Nunhead around the theme of Feast. And as you might be able to guess from how articulately he speaks about this, Joe is a great writer and you can read his blog at joemarshallwriting.wordpress.com. I played a version of this piece at the potluck event I put on at the 2017 Hearsay International Audio Arts Festival in Kilfinnan. I just wanted to say thank you so much to Diarmuid and the team for giving me the chance to do the event, and to everyone who came. It was a real honour and I loved doing it. This is the first Lecker of 2018. I'm hoping to do some really exciting things with the podcast this year, and your support, as always, means the world to me. If you enjoy listening, please do tell your friends. Rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. And, if you're feeling especially flush, you can donate to our new Patreon, patreon.com forward slash leckerpodcast. Thanks, as ever, to Ben MacDonald. His original illustrations for this episode can be found on Twitter and Insta at leckerpodcast, as well as on the companion tiny letter which goes out with every episode. Ben's illustrations really add so much to the podcast and I'm so grateful for his work. If you like what he does, you can buy some of the other stuff he makes on Etsy. Search for NMJNB. Thanks for listening.
1: Yes, particularly with carrots and pastits, it's getting it just when it's on the cusp of carbonisation, essentially. <laughs> Crispy, but not white charcoal.